That probably you can won't. talk shit. I probably won't stop talking shit. Don't talk. Don't stop. Uh, hey, welcome to Going Off Track. Thank you. I'm uh, glad to be here. Welcome, Finally. Welcome to Brad's apartment. <laughs> We've had to, to move this a couple times, and uh, here we are. We, we are. did it. Yeah. Feels good. Brad has very comfortable chairs, in case you're ever over here. It's vital to a living room. Yeah, my futon is very uncomfortable. And I just kind of... <laughs> I just kind of got that's, used to it. Do you know that that's what the word futon means in I know. Japanese, right? I got a fold-down one. I don't know why. And I bought this thing online. I never tried it out first. And I got it, and I was like, oh, this thing kind of sucks. And then I was like, eh, this is all I deserve. <laughs> and now I just don't care enough. Did I did I ever tell you about the futon debt that we had in our old apartment that was from the butt of one particular drummer whose name I'm not going to mention, but who's in a band with uh, a lot of your favorite people. Do you know who I'm talking about? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> there was a dent in the futon. In the of futon. Because we had a drummer who lived there who, like, whenever he was off the road, he just planted himself smack dab in the middle so of the So he didn't have a weirdly couch. shaped butt. It was just no, that he, he was just, He just put in so the much. extra time. And he was always in the exact same spot. Exactly. And so we named the dent after him. Gotcha. <laughs> I'll tell you his name after because it would be too mean. But we named yeah. it the blank dent, the Tommy Ramone dent. Yes, exactly. He was he wasn't he was younger than Tommy Ramone. Yeah. <laughs> um. So today in the podcast is an episode that I kind of spaced on. Uh, this episode was recorded at Rubber Tracks, mm-hmm. which which was closed a little while ago, and. Uh, so, wait a minute, I'm supposed to say that? It doesn't no, no, matter. No. Who cares? I, I don't to put some... think that this was the lost episode. It wasn't a lost one, but I think it was just lost to my brain. Oh, okay. Because I was trying to book on... This was Buddy Nielsen from Census Fail. He did one of our very first podcasts. Like, I feel like the first, like, 20 he did. Right. And then he came back, and then he was cu- just came back again. He's probably he came back again, and I was trying to book something with him, and I was like... Man, and we couldn't get it. He had he had like a wedding or something, and I was like, "Man, I feel like we did one with him like not that long okay, ago." Okay, you're right. Yeah, okay, you're right. It was because it was the same day that we did Harley. <laughs> yes. So it's cool. I wanted to do one with Buddy. We weren't able to do it, and then I was like, "Oh, we actually did one." Yeah. And I remember uh, <laughs> during his first one, he came on and was really pissed off. Like he was just Buddy. That was just his. Uh, if you knew him, like, he was just kind of not an angry guy, but he was just real, like, really intense. And then, you know, he got into meditation and Buddhism and went through some kind of, like, personal stuff we talk about and came out. And now he's, like, this totally, like, mellow dude. Like, he's the same guy, but he's – you can really hear it in between the two yeah, episodes how go much back he's and, changed. You should go back and reference the old episode. Yeah, go back and reference the old one. And it seems like he's been able to sustain it, which is great. Um, So – I want to mention really quick, too, uh, Census Fail are on the anniversary tour, 10-year anniversary of their album, Still Searching. Um, If you're listening to this, they're playing uh, San Francisco tomorrow, April 6th. They're playing L.A. April 7th. And then on the 8th, they're playing the Observatory in Santa Ana for When We Were Young Fest, which I wish I was going to. Morrissey, AFI, Descendants. Culture Booth, Gutter Mouth. On, Gutter Mouth, pretty much Shout like out. every band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely Gutter Mouth. That's a band you want to catch there. Uh, 
but uh, I love those guys, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I actually I had a couple of Denimos. I told CDs you I toured with them, right? Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if I put them in the same sentence as the Descendants <laughs> and Morrissey, but I mean, you know, whatever. That you know, I'm sure they had more songs about like fuck, like throwing up macaroni or whatever. They're iconic, Orange County. Yes, they're iconic, Orange County. I'll give you that. <laughs> Do you remember that song Derek they had? Yeah. <laughs> like all these like anti-straight-edge songs. <laughs> Used to get me so mad because I was like a 15-year-old straight-edge kid. And I was like, fuck you guys. That was their job was to get everybody who they got took kicked, themselves seriously. I'm pretty sure off. they got kicked off Warp Tour for something. Yeah, they did. Mark make- like hassled security or something. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, I felt like it was a... Uh, yeah, something. So yeah, Gutter Mouse <laughs> is playing too. If that's a thing, then that's... In case, in case there's another version of Brad listening to this, <laughs> they were on the first Warp tour, you know. Really? Yeah, they did the first Warp tour. They described it to me as this hot tour that they had just done, and it was all in parking lots. And I was like, "Punk rock in parking lots? It sounds weird and horrendous." Yeah, it is weird and horrendous, <laughs> but you know, kind of fun. Also, the Goops ever do Warp tour? No, really. Mm-mm. My I, old band, The Love Kill, did some of the dates. I did Warp tour in. Uh, my thought band after the goops. Oh yeah, yeah. The clowns of progress. Clowns of progress. <laughs> I couldn't say it. Why not? <laughs> I don't know. I said it. You said it. Um, so yeah, check yeah. out check out uh, Census Vale on the West Coast and the Still Searching anniversary shows. Check them out on When We Were Young Fest, and let's check out this uh, episode with the return of Buddy Nielsen on Going Off Track. Yeah, as you know, Jonah, the uh, Freedom of Information Act is a beautiful thing. <laughs> you should see what I could find out from about Buddy Nielsen. Yeah, from yeah. one simple request to the FBI called the Freedom of Information Act. It's pretty pretty incredible. Did you know that Buddy Nielsen's story is much closer to the one of Jack Reacher than the one of singer and band? I did not know that. Yeah. Tom Cruise? Well, and he I, plays the My Scientologist? That... <laughs> but he's a Scientologist. Wait, uh, I've never actually seen that movie, but he looks like a tough military yeah, dude. Yeah, he's a tough military guy, but I just think he's Tom Cruise. It hasn't come out you, yet. It comes out next week. I got to take no, it. No, I think that's the sequel. Oh, it really? is the sequel. It's oh, the second one. There's it's been a really? reach here already. I didn't know there reached. was one. <laughs> it's been reached. It's been reached. It's been reached? Yeah. yeah. Who knew? Yeah. So uh, wait, so what's the vibe on Reacher? He's like ex-military he's just like an angry, badass. Yeah, yeah, ex-military, like, like Green Beret guy that's pissed. And like, Did you see it? No, no. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not seeing that. We, How do you know the plot? From a trailer? Yeah, it's pretty much, pretty much a give it away, and he just, you know, he's probably... It's interesting to see the older... Action stars who are definitely at have a low T, trying to you know assert themselves in these sort of like you know macho um, roles. Yeah, I think Cruz has done pretty good. Did you guys see Edge of Tomorrow? Yeah, but that's different. He he's not so macho as he's, he's having like an existential like yeah. But he's never crisis. been like a real like act. Like, are you talking more about like the Stallones? And yeah, those yeah. Of... I mean, those guys like, yeah, sort of like, you know, you know, like in the Expendables, everyone's you know, everyone's on some sort of Cialis or needs <laughs> like has some TRT testosterone replacement. Sure. 
Yeah, well, he got he got <laughs> caught going whatever country I forget where somewhere in like Southeast Asia that they filmed some of it, and Stallone was caught with HGH at the border. Yeah. Um, and he was like, "Well, what am I? What am I a fucking football player? I don't care." He's yeah, like, he's like, like, yeah. he's he's like, I'm like sixty years old, but and I have to blow up like five hundred people in this movie. He, so, he looks good. I mean, he does. He does look pretty. Let's give it to him. So does Cruz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're I mean, also super short, so it's easy yeah. to look good when you're super short. You think so? You I think, do. Yeah, I never thought about. I that. think when you have like a, a a short, stocky build, it's easy to get pumped. Yeah. It is. It's super easy to get pumped and stay a little bit leaner than people that might have like more like varied body type. Let's you talk. Can... We can be honest. We're talking about me now. <laughs> when we say the varied, varied, varied body type. <laughs> it is true. Yeah, but tall people can be super lean too, but maybe not get so pumped. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the reason I'm a terrible arm wrestler. Yeah. yeah. Is because of this long, rangy <laughs> forearm that's just easy to manipulate. And yeah, and those stocky guys, they have these little, like, yeah, yeah, hard, yeah. compact, yeah, these like little... cinder blocks with legs. So I'm, a, I'm a that, poor wrestler. You can well. reach that China crash, though. Sure, can. That China crash. <laughs> uh, buddy, I was listening to the first podcast you did with us. When was that? It was number 20 something. It was wow. October 2012. Okay. So it was, we've, we're on. We've done over 200 podcasts since you've been on. Wow. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, and I was listening back. I was like, I wonder what we talked about. Here's what we talked about. Okay. <laughs> we talked about the military a lot. Really? Yeah. We talked about like... The U.S. military? The U.S. military. We <laughs> the, talked the about... The Belgian military. <laughs> we talked about them like recruiting on Warp Tour and how you didn't think that that was cool back in the day, but then like things had changed and you're like in the current political climate... Things are so different. We're sort of at war. You, you talked about how your girlfriend was oh, yeah. in the military. And then you, we talked about, you were very angry. Was I? Yeah. In general, I would say, like, <laughs> you were very angry. And then I felt like th- like we didn't talk for a while. And then there was all this stuff. I was like, have you talked to Buddy? And I'm like, no, they're like, he got really into, like, meditation. He's, like, super <laughs> mellow now. He's, like, totally different. I was like, really, Buddy? <laughs> yeah. And then, then like, we haven't, we haven't really hung out that yeah, much in the last really. four years. Like, yeah. we hung out maybe once at a... Uh, some show here, but yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. At, like, maybe at that weird PlayStation, probably where you're playing tonight. Yes, yeah, who PlayStation. Was that, who, who, Rise Against or something, maybe. Bayside, maybe? Bayside, Bayside yeah. yeah. Bayside. Oh, yeah. that old Nokia theater. Nokia, yeah. PlayStation, Best Best yeah. Buy, Times Square, the world, venue. Times Square, <laughs> yeah. garbage venue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, escalator. TGI venue. Empty <laughs> room filled but, with soulless <laughs> garbage. So you are. So Wait, you're playing there tonight. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah come on by, <laughs> everyone. Come out. <laughs> do you, Support Live Nation. They yeah. need your help. Do you feel like you had like your? I mean, obviously, four years is a long time for anyone. But do you feel like you had a shift, sort of, you were in your consciousness? Or you yeah. Feel, oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I. Uh, well, I was living in New Jersey, which you know that what that'll do to someone. Yes. <laughs> living. <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking I'm at you. As fuck. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> yeah, you are pretty mellow. But where did you grow up? Huh? Where did you grow up? Central Jersey, Somerville. Okay. Yeah. It's a little more chill down there. <laughs> I'd say we're yeah. we're like we're like getting out to that last outpost in New Jersey. That's like it doesn't really feel like to transfer from like Pennsylvania yeah. city suburbs to rural. To, it's yeah, like, it's like we're getting out that way. You can get a yeah. house out there that's got plenty of land and. Yeah, we're not built Still be on top. near TGI Fridays. Plenty yeah, of want. TGIs. A lot of them. If you need them. Yeah. Or a Rubies. Yeah. A, uh, what else? A lot of, di- you know, diner people. We got diners Dine, all yeah. over New Jersey. Yep. You don't have to go far. Yeah. But but whatever. This is an act, though. 
Okay. Under the surface, there's a frenzy of activity <laughs> right now. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so I heard um, in one interview that you're you're a Buddhist now, or you're, you, you yeah, you, you see yourself. As I a Buddhist actually, now. my teacher developed this idea, and I subscribe to it. I'm a post Buddhist. Okay, I'm bringing music genre terms to <laughs> spirituality now. Pop Buddhist. Post post Buddhist. <laughs> there are pop mainstream Buddhists. I'm a post. I'm post. Like okay. a repressing? <laughs> no, it's like, okay. I mean, I don't know how to explain it, but like there's a, obviously a movement in America in the Western hemisphere of like mindfulness. Right. So there's mindfulness, which is doesn't necessarily ascribe to the religious aspects of Buddhism. It's kind of like devoid, takes a lot of the teachings of being present and mindful and applies them in ways that you could, you know, help your company make more money if people were more mindful. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's the sort of uh, also the religious, you know, sections of it that are, I don't know, gaining, I don't want to say gaining ground or just like sort of like a popular movement of people wanting to meditate. So then you have, you know, these two movements and and within that you even have people that are kind of like, shrugging off both of them saying that like the whole mindfulness thing and like the the mindfulness movement and the sort of uh, I don't even know what to call it like cookie cutter yoga type like wellness new agey thing fuck that I'm not right. really like that I don't really I'm not into that I don't want to go on like a 10 day you know um <sighs> Like sort of Tim cultish. Robbins in High Fidelity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like world and, music, yeah. many rings. Yeah, like I'm not there, and I'm also yeah. like, I don't believe in reincarnation. Like, I don't believe that the Buddha said this. How do you, how, how do, you know, like really looking at it from an analytical standpoint of like, you're, this is, this is religious bullshit, just like Christianity, just like every other religion. And just because it's new to the Western culture, it's, it's, it still holds a lot of its, religious bullshit so you have a tough part with like the dogmatic side yes. to buddhism so you have a lot of people that are kind of going like well i don't necessarily feel part of any of this and i'm kind of not really finding a uh community within that it's also um so i'm saying post buddhist in a way that like i don't necessarily believe in a lot of the things that are buddhist um it, so it's it, meaning reincarnation meaning like specific aspects of like i don't know how much you know i don't there's an idea of called emptiness which is like super big in zen super big in certain sects of buddhism that like tibetan buddhism very big on emptiness and teaching on emptiness and um i think it's kind of bullshit i think it's kind of bullshit to my to what i've been able to see and learn um and to me and how it fits into my life, it doesn't What really... aspect of it, like, feels false to you? Uh, just this idea. So they try to explain, like, that you are, basically the, the idea in, in all levels of Buddhism is that there is no soul. That behind all of this, who you think you are, this idea of I, this idea of, what you like, what you don't like, they're all, it's all kind of just uh, learned behavior, um, learned 
uh, pre some maybe some predisposed, maybe some conditional. Uh, you are who you are conditionally because of the interactions and the pieces that go into making you who you are. So this idea that you have the solid I is not real. And the idea is there is um, nothing. That, that, that you, there is nothing solid that you are. So it's basically the opposite of Christianity, which says, or even like Hinduism, like you have a soul, you are this uh, eternal soul that will exist for, for eternity in various planes of existence. Buddhism says there is no soul. You are basically connected in this other sort of emptiness. But but to me, it's really saying the same thing as a soul. It's 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 it it gets and the reason why I don't really subscribe to it is because it's it becomes this sort of just like you're in Christianity trying to purify your soul or sort of show that you you know have a worthy soul in order to make it to the afterlife. In two in Buddhism, the idea of karma binds this idea of sort of emptiness into this dogmatic sort of if you do this you know if you do good things good things will happen um if you do bad things bad things will happen karma is obviously more complicated than that it's very like a uh n- nuanced as as far as like there's no equal reaction you know like if you do something right, bad it right. might something bad might not happen but it's more of like a collective karmic existence in order to ensure some type of um, future rebirth or in a favored realm or, you know, something like that. And then this idea of emptiness to me sort of is the equivalent of the soul. It's just like you're, you're constantly, so in Buddhism, you're constantly trying to like r- remove your egoic nature, but I'm not sure that that's possible or necessarily healthy. Like I've experienced things that were not really, um, useful for me through meditation where you're taking away the ego and taking away levels of like familiarity with your surroundings or who you are that can leave people in situations that are somewhat, I don't know, dependent upon who you are, not really good head spaces. You know, there is some level of the human body that has to have some orientation of I. So it's like this weird sort of, I've kind of found for me at least, the idea of emptiness maybe not be such a good idea for me. For some people who can live in this sort of like, I am I am nothing and I am an all-existing sort of, you know, omnipresent just nothingness. Um, maybe that's cool. You know, for people that are like super into hallucinogenic drugs. Right, right. Like, you know, chill with that kind of stuff. But if you're like kind of like a normal sort of neurotic person who grew up in the Northeast... For me, a little difficult to, like, get into that headspace. Well, maybe in your profession, too. I mean, wouldn't that sort of naturally be a conflict with not only being in a band, but also being the singer in a band and having to deflect the attention? I think you would be in the hardest position anyway to either service or deny your ego because of the ego stroking and bashing that can go on. Do you think, like just being in the position you've been in for like quite a while now i mean over 10 years where that um that that comes into play at all in like 
not only the way you're deciding about it, but even the reflection into like what you are and what your ego serves you for. Do you think like the position you've been in as the singer of a band this whole time and in a spotlight has like come into that? Yeah, I, I think so. I think maybe that's one reason why I wanted to look into it. I mean, I think most people in bands, especially singers are singers because they have really low self-esteem and have like very, um, um, I don't know, um, fragile egos. That's what makes singers like singers, I think. And then that's why people like, can I, good singers tend to be people that are superiorly flawed because they're able to put their flaws and that sort of vulnerability into music, which then most people go, yeah, I'm pretty fucked up and flawed too. Mm -hmm. I can relate to this guy. Right. And that's why you get that weird singer thing where you have these like people that are on ego trips because they're constantly trying to defend the fragile nature of their own ego, you know. While, while also, in the court of public opinion. Yes, while putting it out there on <laughs> yeah, a daily right. basis and being super vulnerable. So it creates this, like, you know, back and forth between, you know, I'm the super, I'm fucking, you know, I'm the singer and well, I'm yeah. really super cool. And then, like, people, someone's like, you're, you're a fucking faggot. And yeah. you're like, I am faggot. Well, it's an, un, it's an unsafe <laughs> place for even somebody who's... I shouldn't use that word, but that was, yeah, that's, that's a, a word that I hear. So. Yeah, a, no, sure. that was an, <laughs> an impression of a heckler. Yeah. Now okay. you're like, you're like, fuck, man, maybe I'm... <laughs> Wait, I'll loser. do my Donald Trump impression to to make it better. Uh, grab you by the pussy. <laughs> is that, is that good? Is it more yeah. of a, that was Rick Perry doing Donald Trump, <laughs> by the way. That was, that was what that was. But, um, but yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. Cause, so, so even for the most secure person in the world, yeah. that's a very unsafe place yeah. to be in, I guess, emotionally. I and, think so. And maybe um, I could see where, like, going down that path could... Well, I mean, what it does, the problem is, is, is why I think with the way that it's taught in certain circles is that this idea of emptiness and achieving this non-ego, the idea is that once you're able to not be identified with your I, which is true because the less identified with my own ego I am, I find it easier to be a part of caring for other people as well as allowing things to sort of come and go and not grasping. I mean, one of the things, the ideas in Buddhism is that suffering is generally caused by grasping, meaning like that attachment. attachment. And I'm of the belief that that is somewhat true for that I've found. It's like the less I'm attached to things in a way that I need them to be a certain way, the less suffering, the less heartache that happens to me when I eventually lose whatever it's going to be because I'm eventually going to die. So I have to at some point come to the realization that my attachment to even my own life is going to cause this sort of like rift of, well, well, I, I'm not going to have it forever, so I better be okay with when it goes. So it's almost just like practice, you know, to... Be okay with dying. That's really the good way. Like, I guess when one of my teachers said, you know, what is the point of practicing? And he said to have a good death mm -hmm. so that when you die, you are ultimately okay with it. But it makes living a lot easier. That's just think that there's for people who, like I have, uh, you know, I figured I actually started doing this other stuff called somatic experiencing, which is um, a form of trauma therapy. Uh to to heal like PTSD and I didn't know but I'd been in like a car accident when I was like five years old my grandfather was like was um drunk driving and he crashed 
and like fucking got really fucked up. And I had never really associated any of my panic attacks or anxiety with any sort of trauma. So what happened when I started meditating was like all this shit was just pouring out. So I'd have these really, I'd go on these uh, meditation retreats. Yeah, how does that actually functionally work, that therapy? Well, what like you'll his... do is is so it, it's it's this, this guy Peter Levine created it. He was like an animal behaviorist, and what he used to do is observe animals in the wild and how they would deal with trauma. I mean, if you're an animal, your life's pretty fucked up. You're constantly worried about getting killed. You're trying to figure out how to eat. You got to kill someone for food all yeah, the time. But they don't Very suffer stressful. from PTSD. A lot of them, like wild animals, domesticated animals, dogs do. Uh, wild animals don't because they have an innate ability to physically. literally shake off trauma that you know the fear of like if something attacks them and they're able to survive they literally have mechanisms in their body which fight flight freeze responses which then will activate and deactivate and dissipate and then allow them to continue on with their life rather than thinking oh man i better fucking watch out that bird's gonna try to pick me up and kill me i can't be outside i can't eat i'm freaking out what happens is human beings also have those fight, flight, freeze, activate, deactivate. You know, the limbic system is what controls your deactivation and deactivation of your fight, flight, freeze response. But what happens is it gets sometimes upset or or, or, um, not upset, but um, manipulated. Like if you get in a car accident and you're all, you know, you're you're injured and you're lying on on the on the pavement and, and the paramedics come over. You're going through your fight flight. You're 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 physically checking your body. You're trying to see if you're okay. You're mentally scanning. You're you're taking in everything that's happening. You're processing it and then your fight flight, you know, freeze responses. Okay, you know, where am I? You decide. Do I do I need to run? Do I need to fight? Do I need to freeze? And sometimes in those situations. This is just an example. You know, paramedics will come over and shoot you up with some painkillers, and that can upset the response, the natural response of how your body would work through those motions, and it can get locked, and sometimes people will suffer PTSD from, you know, incidents like that, um, or even like, a, you know, um, obviously, like like rape is like a super good example of how someone would have PTSD because they're not allowed to enact their fight response. Mm. In an, or flee, they can't fight. Fight, you know, or they're freezing. Freezing is the like end of the line because when you like, if you were to get eaten by a bear and you couldn't fight, you couldn't run, and you were doomed, you would go into a dissociative state where you it's like your body's protection so that you don't, you know, you'd get eaten by a bear or by a shark. You're not technically like present. So you're saying if all these like functions don't manifest immediately, that they're going to stay. Well, with they you can. They can. The it's not even or that they. they it's it's if they don't run their course. If they're right. not like, if they're not, um, followed to fruition, they can remain locked in the body's nervous system and muscular structure, and 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 be this almost like unrepeated loop. Of stuff, so like what I was saying about the bears, you would dissociate and you'd get eaten, but you wouldn't necessarily be feeling any of this stuff. So what the SE treatment does is sort of takes you into like sort of a meditative state where you're able to um, 
titrate in and out of um, activation and allows your body to make movements that maybe would not have been made to help bring to fruition those traumatic. So what you do is you you know, fo- sort of follow the feelings of anxiety and allow them to manifest and then you sort of see what's happening, you know, in your sort of mind's eye and your body, given its opportunity put in those situations, will want to make specific movements like, you know, like a like a hands up sort of stop or like maybe like a, a bracing of your feet. And it happens automatically. It's super weird when it happens because you're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I'm not I'm sure you're I'm not really in control of the body doing this. But what it does is it because the body can't tell what the mind knows. The body just feels I'm in this locked state of stress. Right. Since. So you're connecting the, the mind with the body from this point of trauma. Yeah, because it's all in the body. Because the mind is really, you know, the mind can't tell the body it's okay. Like, it, you can all you want through talk therapy, talk about the instance, work through the... And that's, it's definitely beneficial, but there's still always a piece that remains locked in your body if you've had some sort of traumatic event. So fast forward that into, like, Buddhism. When you start sitting and doing, like, um, longer retreats you'll go into these dissociative states where you kind of don't really necessarily feel your body and you're sort of dissociated, which when you ever had panic attacks or have any sort of PTSD, they're very similar to a dissociative state in meditation. So for me, it's sort of like was really difficult um, to sort of be with that. And um, it's interesting. I think the more that they teach meditation – in schools and in in communities, especially communities that are m- maybe more prone to, you know, right now Buddhism has always been like a upper middle class white thing. Right uh, now, it's sort of spreading out a little bit. Uh, and once it gets to you know different kinds of people, you're going to see a lot of people that are having a lot of issues with meditation practice and uh, triggering PTSD, as well as you know, I don't want to say um, you know, I don't want to say psychotic episodes, but just just episodes where no, when you're just sitting on retreat, you haven't talked to anyone, and you're literally meditating all day. You can get into some pretty weird sort of head spaces, even if you're not dealing with PTSD. And then if you do throw that in there, I mean, you're like creating this recipe for people to just really have some breakdowns. So, I mean, did you have sort of a turning point as far as because I feel like all this stuff, like even talk therapy, meditation, studying all stuff, like. It's a lot of work. Like, yeah. I feel like, and even for me, all this stuff, like, it's all stuff I do, but I, like, always, like, before I have to go to therapy, I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> like, or like, I have to go to, like, meditate. I'm like, I want to watch TV. Like, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. force yourself to do it. I mean, what kind of forced you to kind of, like, commit to this and sort of start doing this and kind of stick to it, I guess? Because it, it's, it's not, it's obviously, like, more difficult alternative to just living your life and yeah. not worrying about <laughs> it and kind of pushing it to the back. I, uh, I did this thing called Kundalini Yoga by accident, which was a fucking disaster. <laughs> Uh, they should not fucking. They seriously should not put that out there in the public without some fucking disclaimer. That's like, look, if you're a freak, if you suffer from any kind of like anxiety or depression, be forewarned. This might fucking blow your mind. But kind of, I don't know if you're familiar with Kundalini yoga, but a little bit. But I've never done it's it. It's just breathing. It's just aggressive breathing. Um, 
it's a form of it's a, a form of yoga uh that's not movement based really it's mostly breathing and you're basically hyperventilating yeah that's the one where you do the uh the... <laughs> yeah yeah for like 30 minutes and you get fucking I, I, I'm like physically. I'm sure you're putting a lot of blood into your body. You're getting your heart yeah, rate elevated. You're cutting like you're cutting air to your air. brain. You and are stuff. just yeah. you are fucking out there, and um, it induced like this state of just like real, real cool, like euphoric, but also like I felt connected to the fucking everything, and like I was crying, and it was I had this really like spiritual experience, which. I thought it was really, you know, before I had really gotten into all the understanding of, like, trauma and all that stuff, I just associated all my trauma with, like, weird, spooky, spiritual, new-agey shit, not, like, grounded, like, you got in an accident when you were five because your grandfather mm. was drunk and that fucked you up and then your parents got divorced and then you did, you know, and all this collective stuff. I attributed it to, like, uh, you know, um, I don't know, you know, a very non-realistic stuff mm. uh so when kundalini thing happened i was like i'm fucked like this is fucking i'm never gonna like be able to come back from this because i had a, a really interesting experience like almost like a trip you, you know i went away i came back i sort of and once i came back i was like oh shit this is like i have a different view of the world um how did you get to this class like i just i was doing doing going to yoga and then like as a lot of these fucking yoga teachers they teach kundalini because uh. For a lot of people, it's far out, and it's, like, a cool thing to do. But if, you know, you've had some sort of... Di- what it does is but, put you in a dissociative state. Anytime you, I, anytime I get put in a dissociative state, it's basically a panic attack. Because the freeze response in panic leads to dissociative state. Because when you can't fight and you can't run and you freeze, the next step before death is dissociation. So... A lot of these spiritual practices that put you in dissociative states are sort of putting you in this position where in that dissociative state, you're supposed to really lose your sense of I, ego, and you really feel connected, which is what most people really like about hallucinogenic drugs. What like about these spiritual practices is they feel ultimately connected to a higher God thing, Mother Earth, you know, all that shit. When I get in that space, I am also... Couple, it's coupled, which is what in trauma world, it's coupled with trauma. So in these situations of sheer like safety and connection, I feel utter terror and fear. So, which is really interesting because the whole point of Buddhism is to really, you know, get into this dissociative state and be able to live not in your dissociative state because that's not possible, but to reflect, always have that experience to be like, oh, you know what? Like, it's just fucking cool because this is what reality is, that we're all connected, everything is connected, and shit's going to be fucking okay. But when that safe space that exists is also the connected to trauma, it sort of led me in this sort of post-Buddhist world I'm in now. Where, um, But what got me into it and what keeps me motivated doing it is this idea that like four years ago I was pretty fucking angry and upset and miserable and now I'm not so it's like even though the pitfalls of it for me have been different I'm still my life is exponentially better from doing it so that's you start to see a little bit of like progress 
you start to be like something that usually would like blow your whole world up is very starts to become like oh yeah like that's totally cool like i can totally deal with that it's not a big deal and then you go oh shit this like it works has it helped you do you think being like you've been sort of so transparent sort of about like like your sexuality Mm -hmm. or sort of obviously on twitter like it's sort of like your political beliefs all that stuff i mean is that kind of part of it i mean sort of does it feel good to get that stuff out instead of holding inside oh yeah yeah because that you know it's like when you start to meditate and you really look at your the way your brain works and you're actively looking at your own thoughts you start to see pretty fucking stupid mind you have a really like one track very unintelligent sort of ridiculous mind and you start to see oh wow like look at all this useless stuff that's there but then you also once you're able to like get rid of all that useless like obsessive compulsive sort of behavior you start to really see like what's going on there so it brought up all this stuff that I'd never really been able to see because I'd always been so concerned with you know what am I going to do with my life what am I going to do this what am I going to do to make money is the band going to be okay do people like this do people not like this like you know just in that constant state of trying to get more to be okay you know the 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 human condition so explain to me the twitter list Oh uh, well, that's a that's so, a Chris Jericho list. That's so, not so mine. So what is it? That is that people now blacklisted from the census fail Twitter? No, no, they're just on the list. So what is it like the shit list? It's just a list. I mean, there's no like it's the list of buddy. So it means that you're on the list, and there's a. But what's next? I'm like, is it internment camps? Like, what's next for the people? I mean, on it really it really depends. It's more just like once you're on the list, you're on notice, and possibly I any see. further infractions could. Have you excommunicated from? Do you feel like it might be it might be in your best interest to put out like the list? No, 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 no. To put out first like the Bill of Rights, like, like the Declaration. You, like this is now what we expect. Like out of user you. terms and agreements. Exactly like, to stay off the list because I, I saw okay, a couple yeah. people who I thought were just looking to maybe poke the bear. Well, a little. well yeah, but if you poke the bear, you're the on the list. list. Yeah, yeah, you can't poke. <laughs> well, I, I, it seemed like a, also a lot, some Sum 41 fans who are just there to see Sum 41. Yeah. And they're like, you guys suck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who probably don't know anything about you. They don't, and then they delete their tweets because they <laughs> soon find out that they're going to be well, in a world of shit. Buddy, I got to thank you for this, actually, because looking into this affair actually sent me down a YouTube wormhole last night of something I didn't know existed. Which is like personal YouTube music blogs. I thought everyone just wrote them down, but there's a series of like 14 to 20 something year old people who have their YouTube channels just discussing music news Mm -hmm. and their own opinions. And you were on a couple of their shit lists for publicly, not publicly, just at your own shows speaking about what you want to speak about Mm -hmm. i want to put this out there first i am 100 percent for musicians athletes anyone in the public eye to talk about whatever the fuck you want to talk about and i don't think you have to like go into anybody's cubby hole i mean as long as like the people you're performing with and the people you're creating with are on the same page as you and you guys are all cool with presenting this together because you're in a band you're not just well that's the difference people that i'm not in a band okay 
I am the only original member of the band. So that's the way it is. So this is, is why it's so different. This gotcha. is why people get super upset because, like, what about the rest of the band? I'm like, I don't. Wh- don't know. So don't I, no, it doesn't matter. Not that the guys that play with me, I don't care about. I mean, obviously, no, but that's th- th- it's a totally it's different fun. thing, though. This is right. not five guys that are all sharing in a partnership agreement, splitting equal money, and the one guy's going to be like, yeah, you know what? I don't really agree with that. I don't want you to say that. It's it's not. I mean, the So pe- at this point, your sense is yeah. fail, and it's those a dictatorship. guys are playing in sense It's a fail. This is a dictatorship. It's fine. It's a <laughs> oligarchy. It's, this is, that's what I say to people. Fine. I'm like, this is... They're like... It, it, and I'm not, and I said that in a funny way. It's not a dictatorship, but as far as like what we're gonna do with census fail, there's only really. I, I don't have to confer with anyone. Be like, uh, yeah, should I say? That? Sounds but easy. I, th- I think it's so that easy. I think awesome that is kind of a symptom of being a band. For I mean, like I don't know the internal workings of Saves the Day, but I imagine a band like Same that thing. where it's like Chris is Chris been doing is it the forever. guy. Yeah. It's Chris, like it's no Chris's band. Yeah, no one's gonna be like Chris. You can't say this about it's band. Haley from Paramore's <laughs> band. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's uh, what's his name, uh, Brandon Yuri's band, right? You know, if Brandon Yuri right. wants to go on Twitter and say whatever he wants, and people are like, what about the rest of the band? Well, I, well, I mean, they even, all quit. You know, even against me. I mean, Laura said that to yeah. me. She's like, against me is is you know, it's me. Like, yeah, you know, there's other people in the band. I love them, but it's me, like, me, it's yeah. started with me. Yeah, and that's the way I feel. That's the way it is for me as well. And that's why people are very like. They're confused. They're like, I don't get it. Like, how, you know, what about the rest of, what does well, the band think actually, about this? The, so the main guy, like, I I wish I could do these guys' voices <laughs> without just sounding terrible. But one guy was actually doing your voice, uh, explaining something you wrote about after seeing The Hateful Eight. I don't want to even get into that, oh, whole, yeah, yeah, that whatever, whole wormhole. Yeah, yeah. But his voice for you is like, meh, and Tarantino sent this. So that's the way he was mm-hmm. doing your voice, which I actually, I mean, it was pretty good. I respect. I give, give the kid. Yeah. Puts He's a probably little, put him on the list. Put a little respect on his name. He had like a thousand views. I'll put him on the He's list. He's doing okay, but he should definitely be on the list. But that being said, their general complaint was... People pay good money yeah. to come to the shows, and mm-hmm. they pay to see music and blah blah blah. As someone who's been playing music a long time, I actually don't agree. Yeah, there's I, no like contract yeah, when wait, you come you, in. I, can you? So, so, what were, so what were they specifically upset so about? So I guess I guess I wrote but, something after I saw Hateful Eight. I was just like, "Fuck Quentin Tarantino! This movie is just an excuse for him to use the N word, and it's garbage." And okay. it's like he's finally like. Gone over the line. Of like, and then I guess in the this last... This is stupid. Like, it's it's not even a good movie. It's just right. blah, blah, blah. And in the last couple of years, you've been a little more vocal politically yeah. on stage yeah, yeah, yeah. about things you're going through. So they're more complaining about, like, enough with the talking. Play the hits. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. More, we came, more of that. We came to hear you play, not talk. Right. Which but is not I necessarily argue, true. It's not true. Because... It's not on the, the flyer. But the other thing is, I'm I view myself... As a professional wrestler, I am basically a professional wrestler. I am not just a singer. In WWE, they call them sports. So, are you a heel now? I turn heel. I will turn oh, heel. I turned heel in Philly the other day. On. Yeah, I turned. Well, it. I'm. Uh, what I'm going for is ugly. I want to be stone yeah, cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be ugly. The, the, here's the deal. And I've taken this from being, you know, from loving professional wrestling. If you either have to like us or fucking hate us. There is no middle ground. Sure. That is the death of any 
wrestler and I think any band. Any people, band if too. people are just like, yeah, they were, you know, they were whatever. Lukewarm like, is the this worst. girl yeah, last 100%. night sent out this amazing fucking tweet. I, I, it, it was. We've been getting a lot of these, which is great, which means I know that we're doing the right thing. Um, oh, where is it? Hornbrook. Twitter check. Yeah. So. Let's sip coffee. Let's sip coffee. All right. That's happening. Here we go. Okay. So she said, this is my first time listening and watching Census Fail. I've never hated something so much in my life. There you go. Like, and that's, the, I want the, I want the like, oh my God, this is so awesome. Like, what a cool band. You know, what, uh, so much energy, and they speak their mind, and I really like the music. Or I want that. I want that. Right. This is fucking garbage. Because she's tweeting about it. Right. She's, like, actively going to be like, look, guys, I saw this band since this band, and they were fucking awful. And they're going to go, well, I, I better check it. I better. It also means the about? time she, she took to, yeah. like, search at Census Fail yeah. and find your handle. Yeah, like. And do all that. Well, I also think there's, like, a lot of context that's, like. Like some girl I saw wrote something. She's like, their singer was like spitting on me yeah. or something. And I then spit like, in her direction. <laughs> well, I didn't spit on her. But it was right before the breakdown. You had to get psyched. Well, that's what I'm yeah. saying. And then there's an air horn. Too. And that's blown a classic heel move. Yeah, he- yeah, exactly. And then some guy was like, yeah. I, I like that. Like he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, you spit I grew, on me. I grew up going to shows in basements in Jersey. Well, it's like, and part of me was like, yeah, if you don't understand the context, not necessarily, but it's like it's it's supposed to not be not not a safe place yes. but it's supposed yeah. to be a little bit it's an interactive it's space. an interactive and it's like it comes from these smaller spaces and you're yeah. translating it somewhere bigger and like it's, it's like, not just going to be people totally. sitting in seats like, it's like yeah. a part of the aquarium where you can touch the ray yeah right right like, yeah 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 so to me if you don't have that contest you might not get it yes but that is true i there's if if i know that it's not i'm not totally going to be uh, you know, beloved on the stage at that particular show, I will turn heel immediately and start making fun of the crowd, making fun of the city, making fun of their sports teams, just going for it. Yeah. And a lot because it's like, if I'm not going to win the crowd over by performance, I'm going to turn them on me to incite part of the crowd to like really like me, and then the other crowd to be like participating because they're partis like. If you can't get them to participate yeah. in the event, I get them to participate in the hating of me, which then means they're participating, and everybody sort of had a good time. It's funny this came around. It's very Jack Reacher. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's funny how this all the, came, Maybe it's more like the accountant. Came I don't know. full heel here. I, I heard something you said I thought was cool, and it gave me the best visual ever, that I've been on Warped Tour before, mm. and I noticed it then. But I think since I've been, it's just been growing and growing, which is this, like, general two factions of Warp Tour. There's, mm. like, kind of the, you know, the metalcore side. Yeah. And then there's the your guy side, yeah. basically, you know? Whatever, and, yeah. and these, it seems to be, like, split, like, 50-50 with these mm. types of bands. And you were saying that backstage is on Warp Tours. There's not, like animosity people aren't doing anything but there is like a general like yeah school dance like we kind of yeah keep to our own side sort of thing going on which led to this great visual for me and i'd like your opinion on it is like say if it came down to it if something crazy happened and all of a sudden there's like a lord of the lord of the flies thing going mm. on at warp tour and these two factions were actually pitted against each other in like sort of an anchorman like news team street fight mm-hmm. kind of deal like 
who would win? Well, I can answer that because I uh, I tried to fight the singer of Attila. Okay, this is a perfect example. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what happened? So he, I, you know, I've been talking about their ridiculousness. Well documented. We are on warped over them, and I would, you know, call. I am out. sick of people saying the Huns were good people. I mean, yeah, they were they were terrible. Not. The Huns. They were this, not is a, good this is a band where they're like they're like so like suck my dick. Like yeah, that kind of stuff. yeah, okay. suck my dick. Typical Genghis Khan. They say work. faggot, and but they're for the pro pro LGBTQ rights. But they <laughs> they say whatever. Um, the singer, you can uh, actually buy. A subscription to him for fifty dollars. If you go on his site, you have access to him. You can tweet at him and like get advice from him because he's a business. He's a businessman, wow, so you can pay. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you can pay fifty dollars. Yeah, fifty dollars yeah. a month um, to have access to him. Okay, um, Jonah, you maybe put that <laughs> one away. <laughs> Jonah. Yeah, I don't know. You gotta give yourself up too cheap. I think. The, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe not fifty, but twenty-five. Twenty. <laughs> All right. I'd pay. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So, and, and this, I am a practicing Buddhist, and I don't want to fight anyone. But kind of this guy's got to, to the point where I'm just like, he tweeted something was like, yeah, this thing of sentence fail, say all this shit on stage, but he won't say anything to my face. And I was like, that's that's fucking it. Like, I'm going over there. Like, I took my shirt off. I was outside his bus being like, you get the jersey fu- on him. I get. It was in New Jersey. It was at the PNC. Oh, I was like, I will fucking, I'm gonna fuck you up. Like, get out here. Finally, let's fucking end this. Let me beat your fucking ass. Or at least try. If you win, sure. cool. Right, right. Totally cool. But let's yeah. have it out. Let's, you know, let's fucking let's see some fucking blood. We'll do it right here in the parking lot of PNC. So I go over to the bus, and I'm trying to get on. I'm banging on the door. The tour manager comes in. He's like, what do you want? I'm like, I want Franz. I want to fuck him up. I'm going to fucking beat the shit out of him. He's like, I'll fight you, too. I don't give a fuck. Everyone out here, I will fight all of you. Fuck you. You guys are the fucking worst. He's like, I don't, no, he doesn't know. No, no, you can't get on there. I'm like, dude. 50 get- bucks to come out and fight you. Wow. He probably would have done it for money. But I'm like, get Franz the fuck out here. So he goes back on the bus and is like, I'm waiting. And he comes back. He's like, Franz is too angry to come out. And I'm like, he's too fucking angry to come out? He's like, yeah. He says he doesn't respect you and that he's not, he's not going to come out because he's just too angry. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking beat the shit out of this guy. Get this guy the fuck out here. So I keep trying to get on the bus. And they're like, you know, he's like not, you know, he's not going to let me on the bus. So Franz, I'm outside his bus, like total, like, you know, foaming and like yelling. You got any crew with you? You're so No, just me. Stag. Yeah, just not even Gavin. No, well, they ended up coming over because (laughs) they were like, what the fuck, man? What are you doing? Like, don't try to like just fucking get your shit together. And uh, I'm just screaming and fucking yelling, you know, and. He wouldn't come off his bus. He tweeted at me, called me out. I'm there right outside his bus waiting to fight. All right. Ready to throw down. So can we, like, next time, like, you're in We sat, we had to sit down because he called, you know, Lyman was like, all right, we got to fucking talk. (laughs) So he shows up with his fucking dumbass manager who's a fucking apologist, total piece of shit. He came, like, guidance counselor? Yeah. It was, like, the whole time because I, you know, just, like, the you know, and I respect Franz. Wait, wait, you got to lay this out for me more. Okay, so So it's me, Kevin Lyman, sitting in a tent. Right. He shows up with his manager so to Franz have a meeting because I was just basically like, dude, like, you don't understand. Like, the shit you say is fucking garbage and, like, 
you can't say this kind of shit okay. in an environment like in this punk rock world. Like in the world we live in today, you can't fucking call people a cunt and a bitch and a whore and fucking get up on stage and act like a piece of shit and say faggot in all these songs and think you're gonna fucking get away with it. Like, what did what, what did he say to he's that? He's like, you don't understand, man. Like, he's like, you know, just just if you okay. If you hear how Donald Trump speaks, it was a similar sort of just like, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I do. I this is what I believe in this. You know, I, he backed it up. So at least in some respect, I guess there's a little bit of respect for like being so fucking dumb and ignorant. At least he's owning it. He's owning just his absolute terrible garbage. But I still think that he's, you know. I mean, it just I just was literally like, I fucking hate you. I was like, if I okay. ever see you anywhere outside of here in any f- sort of fucking fashion, I'm going to beat the fuck out of you. So am I to infer from the answer of this that if the two sides were to pit in battle, <laughs> I would. Yeah, because the thing you is, you guys would show up front line, ready to fight, cannons ready, and they ready would to not fucking appear. fight, and they would not appear. Um, just fucking, it's all. Or gone. maybe since he sent a manager, they would hire like a mercenary army. No, the manager them, was you know? weak-willed too, sort of. Just, <laughs> yeah, and, you know. It's hard, it's just, <laughs> I can't. I keep thinking this guy Franz talks like Donald Trump. Now he's like Attila, terrific. We're the best. <laughs> we're, I mean, basically, he was more just like he's more just like he's just more like when I say faggot, I mean like you know empowering. Like I'm like you're not fucking part of the community. You can't say faggot. I was like, do you think it's okay to say the n word? He's like, in certain circles, I'm like. No, you can't. No, you don't get right, to right, say right. that shit, you fucking idiot. It's like it was just like a total disconnect. He's like, you know, just saying things, you know, that Is you're like m- literally like trying to level with this person. Be like, you are like really offended me on a level that like I'm willing to physically hurt you. But there was no like remorse. Like there was yeah. no like, hey man, you know what? Like I'm super sorry. Like I didn't mean because I had had another conversation at the beginning of tour. I had gone up to him and was like, hey man, I just want to let you know, like. You know, I'm going to say the things that I want to say and, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, like, it was just, like, total, like, standoffish, like, weirdo fucking, like, creep. You know, it wasn't, like, in any way, like, yeah, man, like, I totally see how, like, when I use faggot, it could, like, bother people. Or, like, be not useful for humanity to continue using that word. And, um... You know, don't, don't you feel yeah. like you should be able to like? I feel like you've probably been through this so many times. Can't you just be like, oh, like I went through this with fucking Broken Side. Like now there's another fucking band. Like, like you know, I like, mean, there's just how many every, times, every like, couple. Every, I, I think every couple years, it's like, it's a sort of like an action movie. It's like you know, every couple years there's going to be a threat to humanity that needs to be like put down. <laughs> yeah. Jack but, Reacher three is yeah. coming. Yeah, eventually. and it's like, well, apparently you put be, down Broken Side because I haven't heard their name in a long time. I know Attila. You know, Attila's still going, but. You know, they're going to be... And I told... I mean, I, we had a serious, like... I was, like, to his face, like, this far away, like, your band will not exist in 10 years. Nobody will care about you. You will be meaningless and irrelevant in the world of music and be looked at as a joke. Are you okay with that? You know, like, I'm... Like, I wasn't, like, backing down. I was, like, you are the one of the worst human beings I've ever had to deal with in my entire life. I, like it was kind of like at the end of Billy Madison when he did. We have we are all stupider. <laughs> right. We have learned nothing. May God have mercy on your fucking soul. Well, do you? And my question, I guess, is: Do you have a? How do you sort of reconcile like the Buddhist teaching that mentality with that passion? Because I yeah, feel it's like it it's is a, hard. It, that's that, and I that's feel, one of the things is like. Obviously, I snapped and 
got super upset, but it's like, how do you balance? You're still a human. I feel, yes. Because I feel like I'll walk out of a retreat, I'll feel amazing, yeah, yeah. and then some dude will cut me off, and I'll be like, fuck this guy, and they'll yeah. be like, oh, fuck, I'm bad. But it's also, the other thing is that they're also talking about is, like, engaged Buddhism, because most, for the most part, Buddhism has been very much, go live on a hill and get fucking zen, but we live in a world where that's not, that's not, that is not useful or helpful for humanity. What's What's useful is to get, you know, enlightened, you know, awakened and then go out into the world and manifest that into good things but not for nothing that conversation you had is the complete opposite of what you just said yes okay in some respect that what i'm doing is standing up for a group of people who don't have people to stand up for them in a public you know, in especially in this world, I mean, I don't know only a couple bands that are really out and active about talking or defending rights or space or anything. And what with one that I've learned about movements is you have to stake space. Space isn't given to you. You have to make space and demand it. And that doesn't necessarily jive with the passiveness of Buddhism. But you sure. can do things in a way that is obviously I'm learning. You know, and this sure, is it's a process. A process. I'm not just going to eventually just abandon all of the other. I mean, I you know, been doing jujitsu for fucking years. Yeah, you're not ready to take Franz by the hand. Yeah, and like, but but I mean, at the same time, it's like I bet you that dude has never said had anyone say that stuff to exactly. his face. And maybe he's not going to say something now, but maybe a couple days later he's in bed, he's thinking about it. Like you don't know yeah, what kind exactly. of impact that has. Or if he's super dumb, he's more empowered. Like Donald Trump is when exactly, it exactly, like, and you can and just you can you know you can have it go either way, but it's just yeah. like I think it's important to stand up to people like that. That the thing is, what's really interesting, he models himself as like a I'm a helping people who are bullied, but what he's really done is really he's a kid that was bullied that turned into a bully, and is in fact really trying to bully people. It's so he, but he doesn't have that sort of self awareness to realize like. I am the kid that was bullied, and now I've turned into this bully. I'm not a savior. He thinks he's like a savior for the people that are bullied. Um, but I think when you, you know, it's 2016, you can't get up there and say cunt and whore and bitch and slut and, and some faggot. tours, I'm sure you can, but, you know. Well, yeah, but on Warp Tour, like, Warped dude, you're going to run into fucking right. people that are like, no thanks. Like, oh, right. that, that band Pup, you know, there was a contingent of bands that were all like, you fuck this. This is fucking bullshit. Like, this guy sucks, and... But the other thing is, like, there were a lot of bands that were kind of like, didn't have my back. Yeah, you know? I'm sure. There were a I'm lot sure. of bands that were like, you know, what's a big deal, man? It's not a big deal. Or maybe man. these guys will take us on tour sometime or whatever. But yeah, like, we don't want to offend it, right. at, at Tilla, you know, Tortilla or whatever. But uh, <laughs> I heard I heard in, a, in another interview, and, and I was wondering your opinion on it, because, well, I'm also finding, just, I'm finding a... Like if I had to bill a fight between two guys named Franz and Buddy, yep, is like be good. I mean, I, I mean, that's a lot of interesting spins you could put on that. I'd still fight with. him for charity. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'd maybe do like it. sumo suits or something. So I'd no just one, do a straight grappling. No match. one gets straight blood sport. You'll no, put just like a the grappling, glue on just your hands. Sub- and submission the... grappling. All right. <laughs> just but uh, I noticed you were talking a lot about mental illness. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of like, you know, that's a huge topic. You could get into it for a long time. But I've always wondered being on tours and being on these things where like how much of these attitudes in any way, like even this kid you're talking about, this yeah. this Franz guy or something like that, like just like you discovered 
through many years of like reflection and pain and the ups and downs that you went through that so much of it was a result of your own personal like mental illness yeah yeah and the fact that like maybe that kid it's kind of the same yeah, yeah and just hasn't gotten to that point in his life yet yeah no absolutely where, like, like he's he's got th- through this yeah, process absolutely and there's some you know looking back on that but then i also think that there's personal responsibility. I mean, I don't think at any point I was like actively, you know, going out and disparaging entire groups of people oh, yeah. with words. I think there's a big difference between like people, you know, obviously, I mean, the kid clearly has some issues if he's. Is he a kid? I keep saying kid. He's, I, I guess we can call him. He's in his like 20s. All right, kid enough. Kid, kid enough. For this crap. Kid to us. Kid to us. Yeah. yeah. But. You know, Let's I mean, not yeah. say all lives matter. What would happen after that? Uh oh. He's, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's probably got his own issues, and that's the thing. But like, in this respect, what this was about, this was about basically wanting him to concede the use of the word faggot. Right. This was like the mission, the goal. That was the idea. That was the point. It, and what, what, not really what about is his, his point? Personal, it's it's the idea his point that, like, is that I'm going to take ownership over this Yeah, word? his point is that in the way he says it, in the way that they do it, it is empowering. And that he has a lot of fans who are part of the community that respect the way he uses it. Hmm. So it's all bullshit. It's garbage. I right. mean, did you have any sort of backlash when you were talking about that stuff a lot? I mean, did not anyone really. kind of come after you? Or were people pretty supportive generally? Yeah, I think generally people are really supportive. I mean, I don't. That's great. Yeah, I, that's what I mean. That's why it's so odd. That's why it's so odd to be in, in an environment where it's like you're feeling like not supported by, you know, like people you're on tour with or sort of feeling like I wasn't going to say anything, but I was doing these groups where we'd bring kids who are LGBT, you know, out and meeting at Warp Tour and like having discussions about what they think about like being part of the LGBTQ community and how it reflected Warp Tour. So I was like, I wasn't, you know, I kind of gave up on the whole Franz thing, but then I was meeting with these kids and they were very adamant, like, this is fucked up, like, fuck this guy. Like, this is bullshit. We don't like this guy as as being a woman here. We don't like the environment that is being put out by a lot of these, you know, this tour and specifically this individual. So I was like, you know, I feel like a duty if these kids are coming or 16, 17 or feeling like threatened and, you know, like, not digging it, like that, I should say something because I have a platform and ability to say something and do something. Was Kevin it, like, well, like, I mean, dude, it was I'm wild last year. There was a lot that. of shit. And I know the other guy, the front porch. Yeah, there was a guy. lot of shit going on. So he had kind of come to me and been like, hey, man, like, can you, like, sort of in some respects stand up and be like an elder statesman and sort of police, not police, but like, you know, like set an example, but also like try to like, keep it together and i kind of find that odd that he's asking someone because i mean let's be real about that relationship like kevin when he has you on warped he's hiring you to like come on to his tour and work for his company but it is a community i mean in general back back in the the day though it was way more about is so you're gonna hire one dude and hire another dude and then ask the one dude you hired to go talk to the other dude you hired unhire the other fucking guy if it's actually a problem well right? yeah i mean that's i mean that is that's always been sort of the thing is like well why are you bringing bands out that are acting like this let's get 
kick them And I mean, and look at it like for what it is. Out of here. You've been on work tours. But there's contractually, I mean, that's the thing is like, though, if he was to, you know, kick bands like, you know, I don't know. It just, I I don't really have an answer for it, you know? Yeah, I just, I'm just curious for the culpability. if, If these people, you know, are continually causing, I mean, he does kick people off tour all the time i mean that kicks people off and kicks vendors off and it's, bands off and there was like but i feel like when i was on the tour like it was different it was so mean, like, think about the only it. band that got kicked like one band got kicked off because they kept like drinking the free yoohoo and like throwing it up <laughs> it was just like the most juvenile like or someone funny. wrote fuck kevin lyman in like yeah. the parking lot and it was like fucking like thousand feet wide yeah. it's like, like stuff, you're off yeah you know, stuff but like, like yeah. fourth graders would do right, we, right it was a different and that but i'm Coming from this old school vibe where there was like, yeah, no effects thought we sucked, and a lot of the old punk bands thought right. we sucked, but like, you know, like there was still a level of we had respect for them and was like cool. Like, well, and there's also a moral, like there's an ethical guideline that goes from those bands. Totally, like, totally. Even though your scene yeah. didn't sound like no effects, no. I watched your scene start. Yeah. And your scene comes from that place. Right, right. There you could see that. Right. Whereas, yeah. Plus, but everybody's on the same page. Like we all agree, like don't say that word, and we, we're not going to vote for fucking Trump, and we're yeah. all going to have, like, political opinions about things and talk about it, and this world is just, like, void of a lot of that. And yeah. so it's like you get this weird warp Tour where it's you have these old people that are, like, trying in some way to cultivate some level of that, and then there's a giant pushback of, like, dude, just shut up, like, you know. How weird is it to think, like, you're, like, the bad religion or no effects to, like, these bands that are like 20 i know like, it's weird because a lot of them will be like dude like we really like your band we wish you'd stop like talking shit about all of us and i'm like i'm sorry but like <laughs> it's this is what has to be done you know like this is what has to be done it has to the be done heel. Like, people fucking dude, i love it like there's a story al Barr wanted to beat me up on warp tour like, this is how I learned to be how I am because other people threatened to beat me this up. This is the Dropkick Murphys? Guy? Yeah. Okay. You know? Like, I had run-ins where people wanted to beat me up, and we did stupid shit, and people put us in our place. So, like, I learned from experience that it's okay to do that to other bands. But nowadays, it's it doesn't work like that. Like, there's not this level of people policing their own backyard and that's what it feels like at warp tour it's like i've done it seven times it kind of feels like yeah okay you feel a little ownership over ownership to point. keep the level of like what's going on in some cohesive like yeah let's not have anyone on this tour you know doing this or saying that like it's you know we don't need to represent all levels of fucking free speech on warp tour we can yeah. make it all sure. like pretty left-wing Liberal. <laughs> well, I like the know, idea of Kevin bringing in a, a altering point of view on Warp Tour. Like, I don't think it serves like punk rock or it serves a free thinking community to make sure you're only putting the same thinkers in the same place. True. I think his responsibility is to harvest like a real dialogue and like to harvest like some sort of connection instead of that more than like kick bands off or do something like you could actually use this I mean we did in a respect I mean between it, you two to like they, to actually raise awareness for both of your sides like in, in a way they did you know there was a little bit of that he turned it over to like kind of allowing the island to vote off people oh there was a you know another incident with another guy who's famous for being you know a constant troublemaker and it was sort of like 
he was like, I don't even know what to do. So you're all going to come and decide if he's going to stay. Like among the bands? Bands? The bands anyone on Warp Tour. Wow. What, did, I went and I was like, Did he stay on the island? No. He was kicked off. Him. Yeah. What, wow. what, and the other thing that I feel like Warp Tour got a lot of criticism about was like, Skanking. Not enough skanking. <laughs> not enough skanking. <laughs> not enough ska bands, man. Yeah, people were dropping. There were more ska bands. Shit would be fucking different. People were, dro- people were dropping stuff. No one's picking it up. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. Uh, this idea that there weren't enough. Stuff all over the floors. <laughs> yeah. People were tripping. Uh, how did you feel about like this issue? Like, not enough women. Like, there's X amount of bands. There's so many women. And then I felt like the, sort of the other argument was like, Right, but also, like, you have to have bands that will draw people to, not I mean, just because of I that. I think it's all about starting the conversation. Yeah. It's, like, not necessarily about... You have to have the conversation in order for there to be some movement down the line. So it's, like, I think a lot of people get super upset because they're, like... Both sides get upset. One side who's bringing it up wants action now, and then the other side is, like, why are you even bring this up? This is stupid, and, you know... Here's the reasons why. So it's like almost the point is you bring it up, you talk about it, and you hope you hopefully inspire some level of change. So you have to be okay in knowing that like when I talk about this, it's I'm not gonna see change for yeah, probably, you know, hopefully down the line. Down the line. And then the other side needs to realize like that that also it's a good thing, it's not hurting anyone and because I think it just happened with this hardcore fest. Um, there was a girl, and she was very upset that there weren't any. There was only two female, I think, two bands with female members in it. And in it, you know, in the world of hardcore, I mean, that's an even. It's it's when you're talking about Coachella, it's it's probably doable. Right. Sure. Talking right. about Warp Tour, it's probably doable. Hardcore is is a is a. Yeah, the different sort of um, not many walls of Jericho's out there. No, there's only so many at this yeah. point. So I think it's like more of a conversation of like, yeah, there should be more women in hardcore, and maybe it should be like inspiring women to create bands to. But it's it's in and of itself this very violent niche sort of thing yeah. that when you that's always been male dominated. So I, I don't I don't think the conversation is a bad conversation. It's just I think that the the solution actually can't be enacted because yeah. of the lack of availability to and do it, that. And it's tricky to mandate, too, just because of human nature. I mean, the thing it makes me think of, and I, I noticed from, like, your Twitter that you're a sports fan a little yeah. bit and a football fan. Like, I don't remember exactly when, but maybe 15, 20 years ago, they noticed that huge disparity in the NFL between black players and black coaches. Essentially, most of the mm-hmm. league is black and there was like two black coaches and there was never a lot of them interviewed for jobs and this. And they started this one rule that if you're going to interview over a certain amount of coaches for the job, you have to interview a black coach. And through the years, a lot of black coaches have come out saying, I'm pretty sure that most of the time I was being interviewed for these jobs, I was never taken seriously. And I was only brought in to to fill this quota that we had to do, and they never were going to hire me in the first place. And as a result, there's been literally no improvement in the it's hiring like of black gesture. coaches in the NFL. Like, it's done nothing. Um, so it does seem like a tricky thing to try and, like, mandate. Like, you need to have yeah. five bands with with X amount of women on the tour every year. Yeah. 
there's a chance you're going to have to book a shitty band. There's a chance you're going to have to book the same band every year for 10 years. I mean, we ran this at, when I worked at AP all the time. We'd be like, we're doing this special. All right. Like, I guess we got to get like the Donnas to do that. Like, it's yeah, like yeah. there just weren't that many bands. Right. So it's like you feel like you keep going back to this well. I mean, I'm sure it's better now. This was, you know, 12 years ago. Yeah. 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 No, it's a. Uh... Well, to totally change the course, this is actually a question for both of you guys. Mm. It's an amazing hypothetical that was brought up to me yesterday by a guy named Chad I work with. <laughs> now, Chad's a very cool dude, by the way. Give him credit. Can do anything with iron and wood that you ask him to. He's a pretty skilled fella. But he gave me this great hypothetical. So you're chilling out. Say you're in your yard. I don't know. Picking weeds. I, I don't give a shit. And... An alien comes down, and he says, what's up? I'm going to give you this offer. You can come with me right now back to Mars. Live with us for three years. We show you the, the greatness of our society. We teach you everything about it, and we'll bring you back in three years. But the only thing, the only catch is you leave right now, and you can't tell anyone you're coming, and that's it. Do you accept? I, I would, yes. And I say that because I don't, I'm not, like, married. I don't have a girlfriend. Like, I don't have anyone depending on me. So I'd just be like, I guess I would lose all my stuff but, in my apartment. Well, Who and cares? You know, your sister and your parents yeah. would think you're dead. Right. Probably. Yeah. They would. Pr yeah. That After would be, a certain amount of time. Yeah. But then think how psyched they'd be when I came back. They'd be like, whoa. Well, <laughs> I mean, it could be like a castaway situation, though. I mean, Helen Hunt. She had to move on. Yeah, but on. they're not going to replace you. Give a place to your brother. Yeah. <laughs> your, your sister's not going to be like. There's like some. Baby. I got to go get a new brother. She'll find yeah. a new we confidant this. and best friend. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, you'll I, lose I, that role. I, it, and yeah. it might get weird as fuck. They'll I mean, probably take you out of the Saturday Night Live uh, intro. <laughs> yeah, too. You're be like, the this guy's dead. We need to remove him. Or they him. put up a little like a little <laughs> thing over his head now. Like he'll stay actually in the intro. Oh really? Almost like five United Nations shows. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you you would definitely go. You don't care I would definitely go. that I would your definitely sister go. thinks you're yeah, dead. Yeah. I mean, I feel bad about that, but knowing I was coming back, I'd be like, okay. Yeah. What do you think? No, I can't do that. You won't do it. No. Okay. I can't. I got. I don't like. I mean, we talked about like, I'm already mentally, you know, somewhat. You just got no fragile. I don't think I'd do well in space. Oh. I don't think I'd be able to keep it together. Well, I, I mean, I have an existential crisis daily. So you don't think you'd make the trip? Even I have an existential crisis daily just about the fact we're on a rock spinning around in the middle of nothing. If I actually got out into the nothing and saw the like that's Earth over there, and I would, it wouldn't. Yeah, but, it, it would. But, it would be really hard. But the nothing is now something. No, you're there it's still and nothing. You're it. In between the two, there's nothing. Oh, there's stuff. No, there's, well, there's, there's stuff out there. Dark matter. They don't even know what that is. Things fly by. Nothing yeah. flies by. I'm assuming you, you Have you ever been you to space? Would do it. <laughs> I haven't. Only you in uh, dreams and films. <laughs> you, you, you definitely wouldn't do it. You know? <laughs> I thought Whoa, about it I would think today. you so, with a, a, a young baby and so, a wife. So here is my conflict. <laughs> well, the, I, I posed the question, which was, okay, if I don't do it, are you just going to ask somebody else? Because then I won't go. Because then it's like, all right, cool. I'll stay with my people. You go. Bring this information back. All good. Or it's just the offer off the table if you say no. And no one ever goes and no one ever learns. 
But you're saying it would be like a self-sacrifice for the good of humanity. Sure. Uh, well, that but that metaphor is out the picture because you don't know. You can't ask the alien this question. Right, right. So the thing I was thinking, I was like, all right, I have to swallow the fact that I would probably come back to my wife remarried and my kid having a new dad. Yeah. That I have to stomach. Yeah, that's which, a little much. Which is probably going to happen. I'm yeah. like, and as she should, I've told her many times through the course of our courtship, <laughs> some happens to me, yo, fuck it. Take care of yourself. Don't burn shit every day. Like whatever, do something cool in my honor, do a show, something fun. And then fuck it. Like, just keep going, you know? Like, it's all good. Just give me one of those cool Royal Tannenbaum gravestones. That's all I want. And so there's a part of me that I know she'll move on, and I want her to. I mean, my kid needs guy around for a few years. All good. But the thing I'm thinking is, like, if I told my kid when he's an adult or, like, an older kid that, like, oh, I passed this up to hang out with you when you were one to four, He'd be like, I fucking didn't remember any of it. And this yeah. guy who went to Mars is like mad famous, wrote books. He's like kind of got an awesome life now. Like, you fucked up, man. Like, you should have went. Or the opposite. You know? Be like, fuck you, Dan. Or like, you fucking, fucking left Mars. me when I was a little kid. <laughs> yeah, Asshole. Totally. Yeah. But if you're the only guy who yeah. can experience that, like, I, I don't know. I might go. Right. I might go. I know it's not the... <laughs> Appropriate family man thing to say, but it's fucking Mars. And so cool. there's nothing on Mars. How do you know? Well, I've seen <laughs> the Martian. They're living under, <laughs> under the surface. There's, a, like I said before, there's a frenzy of activity yeah. beneath the surface. Yeah, I think of it more as like the dozers from a, uh, what is that show? Fraggle Rock. Yeah, from Fraggle uh, Rock. That's what I think is going on in Mars. Yeah, okay. The surface is a little, boring, a little tough yeah. to live on and boring, so they got a whole thing going on okay. under there. And that's where you'd live, and you'd be treated like a Martian king for three years. I don't know about that. Or they could kill you. Well, no, you're going on good faith here. Okay, all right, so they're just going to treat, okay. Yeah, we're going in good faith that it's going to be a nice time when you go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if that idea is like, oh, they might, like, pull a fire in the sky and start putting things in your eyeballs and shit, then, yeah, I might pass on that. Not cool. All right, so you won't go. Good for you. I don't think I'm not going to go. All right. I got a lot of stuff. I just, I, the existential nature of it your earthly activities are taken up i have too a hard much. No, i have a hard enough time even <laughs> in mentally dealing with the fact that we're on earth right now <laughs> it's too much a daily existential crisis yeah you have all a uh, text from existentialist on no it's a great instagram really yeah text from from my existentialist i actually i know i know we just got fun but now this makes me think of something not fun which is like so I also suffer from a daily existential crisis. Yeah. I'm in the same crowd as you. Often through many times of the day, I go, wow. Yeah. I don't fucking know. Yeah. And the older I get, the farther I get from an answer. Yeah. And the older I get and the closer I get to death. And yeah. I'm just like, Jesus I Christ, know. I don't fucking know. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. But, like, I also, through the course of my life, and I get the impression you have too, this, like, constant... Like this constant horizon of death mm-hmm. and this idea has like kind of fueled my life. Yeah. Like I've been a much more motivated and disciplined person yeah. as a result. Absolutely. Are you afraid like if you really succeed in this like quest of yours to be chill and be comfortable and satisfied mm-hmm. and understand 
that it's going to like pull some of your motivation or has it already i i mean i think it's definitely pulled some of my motivation. i mean i definitely i mean you're definitely more driven when you're like fucking truly buying into the not just the like american model of consumerism and you got to get shit to make yourself happy to do that but also this the idea the like survivalist of like i need to, to you know to like protect myself from the reality of but the truth is, is that i'm going to die and all my shit's going to be given away i mean that's part of like the buddhist mantra is the constant one five daily reflections you're supposed to do um uh, you're of the nature to grow old mm-hmm. um there's nothing you can do about it you have the nature to get sick. Everyone is subject to that. Uh, you have the nature to die. Um, and then basically, I, I'm forgetting some of them, obviously. I'm a bad Buddhist. Um, well, you're a post-Buddhist. I'm a post-Buddhist. So you don't... I don't... I don't but the other one is that basically everything that you have will be given away. So all the stuff you've acquired your entire life, once you die, it's going to be all re... going to go to different people. Someone's gonna be destroyed. Then the last one is uh, the only thing that you have are your actions. So that's the only thing technically that you keep mm-hmm. after death are the things that you did in this life. Your actual actions, decisions made on a daily basis of how you're interacting and what you're doing. So it's motivating to change the way in which you. I created this idea. It's called a very. I want to live a very deliberate life. Like. Everything I do, I want to be deliberate. I don't want to waste my time doing anything that I don't find meaningful. Because ultimately, if if this is true, that the only thing I take are my actions, I want the actions that I do leave to be meaningful rather than working for Citibank to, I don't know, fucking buy a house up in... I don't know. Where's a good place up on Rhinebeck? the river? Yeah, Rhine. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Exactly what I was looking for. Some. Yeah, exactly. In Rhinebeck to you know, fucking you know what's the what's like the, an old ski chalet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we're gonna fix it up. <laughs> okay. That, <that's>, okay, Benny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just paying. I'm just paying <laughs> No, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, yeah. What's the thumb on the river up up there, Rhinebeck? But yeah, you know what I mean, like. So in some respect, yeah, you might not be as motivated. Like when when I'm at work and they're asking me to like fucking do something I don't want to do. And I'm like, man, there's really no point to this. I'm just going to die and I'm just going to kind of, yeah, I don't really need. And that's why I quit my last job because I was like, yeah, it's not, you know, I'm over this. But you live a life in a more deliberate way. You're really only doing the things that you find meaningful. And not in a selfish way. I mean, like in an altruistic, generous way, like you're. Mm-hmm. You're being more generous with your time to the things that you find meaningful, and hopefully that would be other people, your family, you know, your friends, spending less of it trying to get the house up in Rhinebeck. The ski chalet. The ski chalet. Is there even skiing up there? No, but it's an old one <laughs> that you're going to, like, use the original beams okay. and some of the structure to give it that, I mean, we'll stay with it, post-colonial Post- feel. Okay, yeah. You know, but then... But you'll put, like, new kitchen with the foo-foo crate and barrel shit. And, like, yeah, like, so everything will be updated, okay? But you'll keep some of the original trim and stuff like that to give it that old Rhinebeck ski chalet Well, you know, spending less time trying to acquire that and more time trying to, like, 
just you know do you know have an adventure spend your time doing something useful but i that's why i started rock climbing oh wow i'm super into rock climbing because someone asked me like what why do you like it cuz i cuz life is so absurd life is actually absurd i mean the the, the point of life is pretty pretty meaningless in some respect, in the grand scheme of the universe, your life is absolutely, I mean, for the most part, meaningless. Small. Small. Let's say, okay, we won't say meaningless, but it's very small. Um, possibly meaningless. Possibly meaningless. <laughs> Rock climbing is also fucking meaningless, fucking absurd. There is nothing that you gain for humanity or for most people by climbing up a rock. It's It's this very, like... Sort of matching it, it. It helps me to balance out the absurdity of life by doing something that is kind of actually absurd, and and kind of puts you in a position where you're connected to the earth in a way that is like kind of absurd, and it sort of en- encompasses what life is to me, which is an experience that is meant to be fully lived, experienced, and a battle between mental and physical sort of will, as well as knowing that no matter what, there is no ultimate goal other than getting to the top. No, 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 because no, it's not no. about getting to the top. It's just about about really truly living in a space of connectedness. to. Because when you're climbing, you can't think about anything else, mm-hmm. I mean, or you're going to fall. You're really connected to what is happening in a way um, that is like nothing else I've ever really done because physically you're fucking freaking out because you're 100 feet off the ground. I mean, it's not an environment where your body is very chill, so you mm. really have to like mentally keep it together and physically keep it together. It's for kind of like a metaphor for my life. Really. <laughs> and once I sort of saw the parallel between the sort of Absurdity of, of life in some respect, if able to find this sport that is pretty much absurd. I mean, it's it's a life-threatening sort of, you know, diff, dangerous sport that ultimately doesn't really get or gain anything. Not for someone like me, for, for somebody maybe doing it professionally, you know, there's means to an end. For me, it's just a something that is just an enjoyable thing to do to parallel, you know, if I can create music, you know, connect with people, and then use the rest of my time to be outside and being a part of the world, I feel like that's a pretty pretty useful life for me. All right. Yeah. The return of Buddy Nielsen. The return of Buddy. Thank you, Buddy, for coming by. Thank you, Mellow Buddy. Thanks, Mellow Buddy. Uh... <laughs> You are my mellow buddy, Brad. <laughs> uh, if you if you dug I'm not that always epi- mellow. If you dug that episode, uh, you got a couple days left to catch Census Fail on the West Coast. Still searching anniversary. Catch him on April eighth at When We're Young Fest, uh, being headlined by Guttermouth, and uh, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, if you want to <laughs> support this podcast, you can uh, donate online. You can. Tweeted us. I think you can Venmo us somehow. Yeah, you can Venmo us at, at uh, going at off track. At off track. Just make sure my name comes up. Brad make sure Whirl. Brad's name comes up. It's at off track, but then it'll say, "Do you want, sure you want to pay Brad Brad Whirl?" But I tr- but trust me, 
Brett Some is- of the money will go to off track. Yeah. <laughs> I asked to see the breakdown, and Brad keeps saying it's lost. <laughs> but I really trust Brad. I'm trying to get. I can't get my Excel spreadsheet to add it up correctly. And Brad is wearing a lot of bling right now. And I just want to say thank you to the people who have actually donated. We've gotten about, have we? We've gotten some Venmo donations. A few of my. I think I try to respond to people when they do it. I don't think I got everybody, but we really appreciate it. And you know the beauty of Venmo is you can do any amount, man, from you know fifty cents on up. And it only takes a Venn moment. <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks to Buddy. Sorry about that joke. Uh, if you can't afford to Venmo us, you can also just tweet at us. Leave us a good review on iTunes. If we ever get an advertiser, that would probably be helpful. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, just buy us drinks at shows if you see us. Woo-woo. All right. All right. We'll be back next week. Yeah.